Before we get started with today's show, I'm here to tell you about Brez Coffee Company, made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Do you like lighter medium roast? Then try the Necromedium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. Or if you're like me and prefer darker roast, try the Critical Dark or the Coup Slayer Mocha Roast. But what if you can't pick just one? Then try one of their specialty sample packs, perfect for an all-night gaming or in the case of my fellow filmmakers, an all-night editing session. Forget about all the crappy coffee you've been buying at the grocery store and head on over to BrezCoffeeCo.com. Use the promo code DDE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Have you ever thought to yourself after listening to this podcast, why didn't Derek ask this question? Or why didn't he ask that question? I know I certainly have. Well, you get the chance to do that if you sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You get the chance to ask guests of the show a question. If you're a fan of the top five list, you get the chance to vote on what the topic will be. You also get early access to episodes, accessibility to my film scripts, and so much more. And you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And we want to thank our Patreon, Tim Spivey. Thank you so much for your continued contributions to the podcast. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and it's crazy to think that Pensacon is just days away. Uh, As I'm recording this and as this episode is being released, it is just one day away. It is this weekend, May 21st through the 23rd, primarily at the Pensacola Bay Center, but it will be uh, encompassing most of downtown Pensacola. And that's really the cool thing about Pensacon is that the entire town really kind of transforms and changes to fit the weekend. So say, for example, the airport, which is normally known as the Pensacola International Airport, becomes the intergalactic airport. And you see signs that feature vehicles from Star Wars, Star Trek, and other uh, space-themed movies. Different restaurants around town will throw theme parties, like Perfect Plane, a local brewery around here, uh, is doing an office theme. The Fish House normally does uh, Harry Potter. There's also some Star Wars, Star Trek things that happen around town as well. It's a really cool thing, and I can't wait to see it in action. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to be as involved as I have been in years past uh, due to work. I'm actually, um, as I'm recording this, in about a little over halfway through a 12-game homestand to start the Blue Wahoo season. So I am exhausted, and you can probably tell if you're watching the video version by looking at me and seeing how crazy my hair looks and see the bags under my eyes and everything. Haven't been getting much sleep the last few days, but, you know, it comes with the territory. But either way, I am excited to attend Pensacon, and I will be talking a little bit about what I'll be doing in the outro of this show. But Pensacon Month is going to conclude with a really fun conversation I had with filmmaker Sabelle Guvench, who joined me to talk about her film End of the Rope, which will be featured in the Pensacon Short Film Festival. And I always enjoy chatting with different filmmakers, especially those who, in her case, is from a different part of the world 
than I am. She lives in a different part of the world than I'm in. And hearing her story of how she switched careers and hearing her early journey through the world of filmmaking, and it reminded me a little bit of myself when I decided that working in production was what I wanted to do. Because everyone who works in it, whether you're behind the camera, a director, or whatever the case may be, you spend a little bit of time trying to find yourself and find your style and figuring out what you like to do and what you don't like to do. So that was a really fun conversation to have with her. And also hearing about the creation and inspiration of her story uh, in End of the Rope, which is a really good film. I was very fortunate to be able to watch it. And for those who are attending the Pensacon Short Film Festival, I highly suggest you go out of your way to watch it because it's it's got a very thought-provoking story to it. One In one sense being, I could see something like this happening in the next 20 years, but it also tells a very moving and, in a way, heart-wrenching story. So hopefully you guys enjoy uh, this conversation that I had with her. Uh, it was great chatting with her, getting to pick her brain about the industry. I always learn something new when I do these podcasts. And if you're an aspiring filmmaker, I hope that you do the same. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sabelle Guvench. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast and Pensacon Month continues here on the show with my very special guest, filmmaker Sabelle Guvench. How are you? Thank you. Nice to be here, Derek. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we were talking a little bit off air. You know, I had the chance to watch uh, your film End of the Rope, which was actually uh, submitted or actually accepted into the Pensacon Short Film Festival. So congratulations for that. I imagine that's probably very exciting. Thank you so much. I wish I could be there, but this is the new experience of uh, being a part of the film festival. <laughs> yeah, it's for those who have never been to a film festival and hopefully as the year progresses and more people are vaccinated, it'll become more the norm of going back to in-person festivals because as a filmmaker, there's nothing quite like it. You know, I had the chance with, with my short a couple of years ago I had the chance to go to a couple of festivals that it was accepted for. And uh, have you had the chance to to go to any yourself? Uh, yeah, I made about 10 short films. So I was able to go and travel all around the world with my films. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to screen End of the Rope in a theater yet because I was just caught at the beginning of COVID and yeah, it's like some of the festivals I got accepted were canceled, rescheduled, pushed, like postponed. And yeah, so it's uh, so I, I'm looking forward to having a chance to watch it and hear it in a big theater, hopefully <laughs> soon. No, for sure. And something that I like to tell filmmakers, if they're on the fence about going to a festival or not, I think even if your film isn't accepted, you should still go to film festivals because the knowledge that you can gain just from networking with other filmmakers that you know, might be in the same boat as you, whether you're a first time filmmaker or, you know, in your case, making 10 short films. Uh, have you learned any valuable lessons from going to film festivals? 
Definitely, it's like totally a different uh, experience that you are surrounded with the same-minded people with passion for storytelling and filmmaking and aesthetics and all that. So there's a lot of, um, you know, sharing information or sharing that environment together. Uh, I, I, I've been still keeping in touch with some of the filmmakers that I met like years ago back in Kolkata in India or... I've been to Bernal twice. So yeah, it's definitely an amazing, and Palm Springs Short Film Festival. And I've been to Florida to Del Rey Film Festival. And that was one of my first film festival experience, but I didn't uh, go to any other film festival in Florida yet. <laughs> so yeah. well, hopefully one day. Yes. Hopefully one day. So tell me, I'm curious as to how you got started with your filmmaking career, what was it that kind of inspired you to want to go on this journey of being a filmmaker? Because it very much is a journey and people fall into it in so many different ways. So how did you discover film and what made you want to pursue it as a career? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Derek, because there's no one way to getting into film. And for sure, for me, that was kind of a long path because my first undergrad was statistics, believe it or not. And I worked in the steel industry and in insurance um, before I found myself in film. Um, so my first uh, passion of expression was through music. And then it came painting and art. So when I was working full-time as an assistant general manager and was in Hamilton, I was commuting to Toronto and studying part-time at OCAT uh, Ontario College of Art and Design at that time. And then once I made my mind that, no, this is what I want to do and I would just want to follow my dream, I quit my work and years of experience behind and I became full-time. So I studied integrity media film at OCAT and later like I went back to again, which actually end of the rope is my master's thesis film at York University. So years after I graduated from OCAD, I went back and did my master's. So my path of going into filmmaking was a little bit like all over the place. My first films were experimental. Uh, I was still like so much fascinated with mu music and how image flows with audio. And then I got into more and more the uh, storytelling side of it. Uh, and like storytelling is, is lifelong exploration. So it's never ending exploration. And now I'm, I'm doing more um, fiction, narrative uh, films in different genres. But yeah, that was my journey going into film. And it's fascinating because you, you bring up an interesting point how you mentioned that your first films were experimental. I think every filmmaker when they start, it, it takes them a bit to really kind of find themselves and what kind of stories that, that they want to tell. So that, that's an interesting evolution from you using your background in music to then go into film and in a way use it to tell your original stories, even if they were more experimental before you transitioned into the, the narrative type. Because I, that's, to me, what makes film, and it's, I've said it before, but no disrespect to sculptors, painters, photographers, but I think film is the greatest art form there is because you can tell so many emotions through so many different ways, whether it's dialogue between two characters or you don't even have to have dialogue. You can just have music with 
you know, someone reacting in a very emotional way, whether it's happiness or tears, is what makes film great to me. Yeah, I can't agree more in that sense, actually. I mean, all the filmmakers and directors uh, have their different approach to filmmaking, but for someone being uh, involved in arts uh, in the past and still, like I, I was doing paintings and doing a lot of collages. So I used to start working on a script. And I still do that, like with collages, like putting pictures and uh, like images together. Now it's like more character driven, but, um, and it's also very good to be able to explore what your unique strengths are. So someone more tuned into music and audio, of course they bring that experience into their filmmaking, into their storytelling. So that makes like all the, that, that's what is exciting about the whole filmmaking journey. And I can't agree more that when you say it's the most best like kind of artistic medium because I'm able to bring all those together for myself. I'm able to bring the uh, image, the visual medium, and then audio, and then storytelling, the characters, like all that world. Like that's what fascinates me about uh, making films. Absolutely. Let's talk about End of the Rope. What was the inspiration behind it? And talk to me a little bit about the process of making it, because what was fascinating to me, specifically with it being part of Pensacon, when you think of convention, you think of, you know, fantasy and futuristic science fiction type elements. And there's a little bit of that in there, but at its heart is a very dramatic story. So how did you come up with the idea for this? And uh, talk to me about the process of getting it made. Uh, thanks a lot for your nice verbs and analysis of the film. Um, yeah, it's definitely like I'm kind of driven to sci-fi, but it's like more futuristic uh, dramas that are grounded in reality uh, because I'm interested in like human exploration and kind of um, having them surrounded in a world and how they uh, interact or be conflicted with what is around them kind of so um so as i said usually like organic sci-fi or like futuristic drama so yeah i agree because in the core of it it's about uh this like a disabled injured dancer and her empowerment journey through science and uh how she experiences abuse of power and how she achieves autonomy in this world that she's going in that is promised to her that she will achieve her dreams through using this machine, um, which I call NICE, Neurological Interchange Communication Equipment. Um, the, the idea, um, again, like I kind of have a very abstract mind. So inspiration comes to me in many different ways, like kind of just like one image, an idea, and then the music. Uh, but the, the bits and pieces of how it came together, at that time, uh, I was actually living in Prague with my family. I think it was like 2016 that I started working on the story as a feature film. So I was living in Prague and one day when I woke up, like I saw um, the computer running a lot of like numbers all around like in those sci-fi films you know like when you see like the screen is running a lot of uh numbers and everything and that was my husband's computer and I said what is, what is this like what's going on and he said like this CPU uh through the company he works for was donated for cancer research so when we sleep 
the, the computer, the CPU power of the computer was a part of another research going on. So, uh, and years back, uh, I made a film based on Franz Kafka's short story in the penal colony about the execution machine and again, issues of power and control and how uh, like kind of the justice system uh, I don't know if you know that story, if you ever read it, but that kind of, um, and here years later, I was in Franz Kafka's city in Prague. Uh, so all these things kind of like where I was at and what I did in my past in my filmmaking and still some of the themes that I was so interested to explore more, the connection of uh, human and machine and like issues of power and control, because this is kind of a, um, a new artificial intelligence, cognitive intelligence kind of a machine that you go in uh, and how you achieve autonomy and uh, power. And if it is abuse in that virtual reality environment, how do you deal with that kind of? So yeah, all these things coming together for me to, um, and then when I was doing my masters, of course it wasn't allowed to do a feature length. So I turned that into a short film. And at the beginning, it was about actually a filmmaker who was trying to achieve her dreams and uh, like what she desires in life through the machine. And then it turned more into a visual medium to be a dancer. So that, that was a little bit of a journey itself in terms of forming the story as well. Um, yeah. Well, I think if you think about tragic stories, someone, if you take someone who has such a, gifted talent like this dancer does you can't help but feel sympathetic when it's taken away and also you mentioning the um the technology that was used to in a way give that back to her you kind of could see that happening at some point in the future and that to me is what makes great science fiction is in the back of your mind you're thinking yeah, I could see that happening in maybe 10 or 15 years and it, it can be scary to think about it it makes for great film but it's also like it makes you think a little bit about what could happen from a realistic sense. Like you mentioned, you like grounded sci-fi. And that's one of the appeals about this to me was that, yeah, I was like, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if this happened at some point. Yeah, exactly. So it was like kind of the question, like if this is offered to you for any person uh, who has some obstacles in their way, right? Like being a dancer injured or like disabled or like mental health or whatever it is, like obstacle that you cannot achieve what you want and it's offered to you, but to what cost it's offered to you. Um, it's, it's a lot of uh, times that we can find ourselves in that kind of situation that we have to make a decision. Shall I take it or leave it kind of? And then if it happens, like how do you deal with that? Um, and, and also like abuse of power in any kind of like in this uh, story, the machine is in the center and both scientists and the dancer attains power from this machine. And how do they like, how do they use that power? And that that's a big issue, right? Like in all lifelong human history, like how do we attain uh, power and how do we use it? So that's, I think, the key key thing when I was doing the Kafka film in the penal colony and end of the rope um, that that thing was like in the core of why I made the film 
Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's a, it's a real head scratcher in a way. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with film being such a great art form is that it can make you think of things like this, you know, like I'll read stories every now and then about, you know, artificial intelligence being developed or that it, the fact that it's in the works. And I think to myself, I've seen way too many sci-fi movies to know that this is a bad idea. And it's kind of the same thing with this. I mean, yeah, it's great for an escape, but as you mentioned, at what cost? And, you know, I'm not in that position to really think that. So my opinion might be different than someone else's, but you, know, yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta weigh the, the options. If yeah. You and like, uh, as you said, like science fiction allows you to start kind of imagining uh, the future. And uh, like one of those things, like with the technology, like of course, one of the questions in this film is like, would it be possible to share collective creativity? Like, would you be able to tap into other people's talent, uh, creativity, like intelligence experience through uh, a platform like this? So these were all like kind of the scientific um, questions in it. It's interesting, like it's probably not many people know, but I watch a TED talk and uh, a professor in Netherlands, uh, Etienne Oog, and he said, science fiction is to prevent and invent the future. Uh, and that affected me because it's so true. And that's why I like sci-fi uh, when it allows us like to think deeper um into the current and into the future and if there are things that are kind of dangerous or risky or whatever it makes you think like how that can be prevented like how can you be conscious about all these things and use it for the right reasons <laughs> absolutely so talk to me a little bit about the process of of getting this made so the story is complete and you decide this is what you want your next project to be where do you go from there did you uh, find the cast? Uh, was it location scouting? What, walk me through the whole process of what it took to get this film made. Yeah, so uh, because this film like involves many different components and layers, like first of all, as a production design, for example, you have to imagine and create that world. And then uh, there was dance, like that dance was a big component. And actually I, um, I screened like in dance programs, this film, both like in um, the festivals that prioritize disability and dance. Like I, I screened this short there as well. So like I collaborated with uh, choreographers, with dancers and production designer. And of course it's the photographer, like just to build that uh, world. Um, and then be knowledgeable about the life of a dancer and what it is like, like if you get injured. And interestingly, a lot of people, like dancers that I use, they experience like being injured in the past in their lives. And of course, there's also ageism about uh, being a dancer, right? Like when you get older, it becomes, in some of the art forms, it's like that. So there's also ageism in it uh, that it touches upon. Um, yeah, in terms of like making the film, because it was um, a part of my master's thesis, it took longer than making my other short films, of course, because that was kind of the process. Like I wrote 50 pages of thesis paper about this film, which can be found actually, if you Google Sibal Guvanch and Dr. Rowe thesis, whatever, like it will come up. So uh, for that sense, the process was a little longer in terms of it's required 
lot of more research, like thinking and writing about it. And uh, my first collaborators, for sure, choreographers, like I had Lisa Burkic and Christine Burkic. Uh, and it was such a like lucky kind of collaboration because they were um, also making their masters at York in dance department. So we collaborated on actually two projects, not only one. Um, and uh, so I was really lucky that like I had two dedicated choreographers uh, to work with. Um, the first thing was like mostly, of course, like kind of um, casting the lead dancer and the others. And then like we had about one month of uh, dance rehearsals until we had the choreography in its place. Um, yeah, and then I was also very lucky with my sonographer. We took really a good amount of time together to prep for this film. Um, and I'm, I mean, the rest is like parts of the filmmaking, right? Like when you're in prep going to post-production, <laughs> you follow all these, but like the unique part of this was of course, working with dancers and choreographers um, and all the conversation, what you are kind of um, expressing uh, to the audience through dance. Uh, dance becomes a part of the storytelling. And then a big part was also production design, like how the machine will look like because machine was one of the characters in the film for me at least <laughs> it was a big character for me so how would it look like and how can we achieve it and it's almost no budget no budget short film so it was challenging of course but uh i was very lucky to be surrounded with the people who believed in the vision so we were able to bring it to life and that's a very rewarding feeling for a filmmaker when the cast and crew all buy into what your vision is and that they're willing to help you carry it out because it, it takes a village to make a film as, as the old saying goes. And when you find a good crew and a good cast, there's rarely a better feeling than that because like they, in a way they almost have to in order for it to be executed, you know, the way you want it. And I, I wanted to touch on you mentioning how dance became an integral part of the story that's another great thing about filmmaking too, is that you can learn about things that you may not have otherwise done. Like, you know, who knows if you would have learned enough about the art of dancing as you did, if you hadn't have made this film. So that, that's another great thing about filmmaking too. Yeah, that that's so true. I'm always kind of fascinated with dance. Like I have written um, a feature, a psychological thriller drama and my antagonist was a dancer. Um, so, and I, I, I loved, I, I made another short, like five minutes that was experimental more with this uh, Lisa Burkish, the same uh, choreographer who worked with me on End of the Rope. So actually we did that short before End of the Rope. I really wanted to make a dance film before I made, uh, I made End of the Rope my, um, as a bigger, bigger project centered with a, dancer and dance and all that. So uh, I, I'm definitely so fascinated using dance. Um, it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to do more more films using dancers or like dance as part of, uh, part of the whole process. Yeah, I'd love to use more. Absolutely. What's the biggest lesson that you think you learned during the making of End of the Rope? Oh, 
Yeah, I mean, there are so many problems as always happens in filmmaking, but uh, the most challenging part, um, which I actually have been working like that as a director, writer, producer, but um, a film at this level being the only person uh, and then there were difficulties on set that we lost our production manager and everything was coming to me. So uh, that was challenging, like being the only person uh, as the key person. Uh, I, I'm used to that, but in the past I had a like, very strong line producer being on set with me. Or So that was, that was challenging. Um, how could I have fixed it? Probably it wasn't so much in my hands, but maybe have more support somehow. So, and then um, we had some challenges in music as well. So I had to get involved in making the music later on, which happened to me also in the Pinot Colony in, in that short as well, which is okay because um, I'm so passionate about music. So I cannot hold myself not to get involved sometimes, but um, so that was kind of a challenging process as well. Uh, I mean, in every film, in every journey, you learn a lot. And also one thing actually, that's interesting because I, I wrote um, a sci-fi feature way back uh, and I never had a chance to go back and dive deeper into that feature. So it's, it's on the shelves, but during the process of watching so many sci-fis and like from short to feature length um, and analyzing the script writing, the storytelling and everything, uh, I also realized how how difficult a genre it is. Like it's really challenging genre because most of the films, like when it comes to seventy-five to eighty percent or climax, I don't know if you experience that when you're watching. It's really difficult to keep that believability in that genre, and sometimes it falls flat. So you just build a beautiful world, but it doesn't go anywhere. So there's always that risk and it's difficult genre to work in. So uh, that's also what I experienced and I learned more doing, by doing this uh, film as well. So I wanted to stay from sci-fi for a bit after I made this, but it's coming back again. Like I really would love to actually, like I'm so, um, yeah, it attracts me, especially in developing sci-fi uh, series. Yeah, so I will be coming back, not as a feature like, but probably as developing series to, again, the same genre. <laughs> no, that'd be great. That'd absolutely yeah. be great. So as we start to wrap up here, uh, do you have any other uh, upcoming projects that you're currently working on that you'd like to talk about? Uh, yeah, I'm actually like kind of intensely I've been developing a feature currently I'm working on um, since like June it participated at a producer's lab and selected to uh, shortlist it to Netflix Canadian pitch day and I was selected one of the six uh, Canadian projects to Jets it's called Loya it's um, it's about an 11 year old uh, Turkish girl, the story is set in northeastern part of Turkey in, and she is um, facing a terminal cancer and she fights for her life and her land that is threatened uh, by a Canadian gold mining company operated by her birth father. So it's a story that raises questions about deforestation, climate emergency um, and family and land through the eyes of an 11 year old and it's inspired from true events. Um, I, I really love kind of having 
something to say through my filmmaking. So, and with all these things, the environmental emergency going on, I think like this is, um, this, this is what I would like to contribute, how I would like to contribute as a filmmaker. Um, so I'm really so passionate about it and it's been going really well. Um, and I'm very close to the final stages of completing, a couple of weeks away from completing the final draft. So um, I'm excited about it. For sure. No, once the film's made, you'll have to come back on the show to talk about it. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's called Loya. So <laughs> hope to share with you and the world at some point soon, hopefully. For sure. What's one piece of advice that you could give to an aspiring filmmaker? Wow, this is uh, a long conversation, but um, I think being nice to yourself in a way to give yourself a chance to express your uniqueness uh, and authenticity, uh, not imitating anyone else or like trying to learn whatever, but it's like really tuning into yourself and exploring what is really unique and authentic to you. That's why I'm saying be nice to yourself and believe in yourself. It's so important. Like it's what makes um, any any story or any storytelling appealing or engaging or interesting or worthwhile to others. So uh, that's what I would say. Be nice to yourself, be true to yourself and be authentic, which takes some time to learn, right? So no, I, <laughs> I, to learn that. I love that. I love that advice because you you have to be able to believe in yourself in order to make it happen. And with some people that's easier than others, but I think it's something that you do have to believe in yourself. And as you mentioned, be authentic. Yeah. I think that, that's, yeah. that's absolutely right. And finally, uh, do you have any website or social media that you'd like to plug so the viewers and listeners can follow you? Uh, yeah, thank you for asking that. So my company name is Kibele Films. It's www.kybelefilms.com. And on Instagram, it is at my surname uh, and then first name, at Guvenc Sibel, G-U-V-E-N-C. S-I-B-E-L, and my Twitter is at Sibel Guvenc Film. Fantastic. It will take long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. This was great. As I mentioned, I enjoyed your film. And uh, congrats again on it being accepted to the Pensacon Short Film Festival. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was exciting to be a part of it. Thank you. Thanks again to Sibel Guvinch for coming on the show to talk about her film, End of the Rope. As I mentioned, if you're attending Pensacon this weekend and you're going to the Short Film Festival, highly suggest you check this out. There's going to be a lot of great shorts uh, at the Pensacon Film Festival this year, so definitely go out of your way to check it out. And be sure to follow Sibel, uh, check out her website as well as her Instagram and Twitter, which you can find in the show notes to find out what she'll be up to next. For Pensacon this weekend... I will be a part of two really fun panels that I hope you all check out if you're coming out to Pensacola. On Saturday, May 22nd, I'll be part of the Nerd Cave Retro panel with my good friends Jason Robbins and Wally Phelps. That will be this Saturday at 10 a.m. at the Voices of Pensacola building. So definitely check that out. And then the following day, Sunday, same time, 10 a.m., same location, Voices of Pensacola, it's the return of Defending Bad Movies. 
It's what's become a yearly tradition at Pensacon and is arguably my favorite thing to do at the entire convention. Jason Wally and hopefully Julio Diaz will all be joining me as I once again pull random bad movies out of a hat and they have to say nothing but good things about them. And that will be recorded as an episode of this podcast that will air in the next couple of weeks. And if you're curious about the format and curious as to how it goes, go back into the archives of this show. I've recorded both panels as in addition to defending bad comedies that we did at the comedy festival back in, I believe it was January of 2020. Uh, early 2020 is, uh, it's like another lifetime. Cause that was right before uh, the COVID pandemic hit. So, a lot of good stuff to look forward to. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the show. Um, it won't be Defending Bad Movies. That will air in the next couple of weeks. I do have some exciting things potentially in the works that I'm not going to give away just yet because I want to see if they actually come to fruition. But hopefully they do. They could be really exciting, and I can't wait to share those with everyone. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcast. Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And if you could, please leave a review because the more reviews I get, the more visible I become to the podcasting public. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Hope you enjoy Pensacon if you're attending. Hope to see you there. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.